Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. My name is Faship. Joining me as always is Gordon Beaton. Gordo, another picture perfect day here in Melbourne as week seven in the NFL comes to an end. Yeah, no, it's probably the best day we've had so far, I think. Uh, no clouds in the sky, beautiful weather. Indeed. In terms of the week seven slate, we didn't see what we've been treated to in previous weeks, a lot of one-possession tight games. We just had the one one-possession game um, all throughout the Sunday slate, and then Monday Night Football did end up being a one-possession game. Uh, we'll start there, in fact. Um, the New Orleans Saints coming off the bye. They took a long plane trip up to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks, and, well, they will be joyous on their plane ride back because they do come away with the win. It wasn't uh, the most... Uh, it was an exciting affair. It was low scoring. It was rainy conditions. Uh, in the end, Brian Johnson signed by the Saints off the Bears practice squad this week. Their fifth kicker uh, from 33 yards out lifts the Saints over the Seahawks, 13 to 10. And really good. It's fair enough to say that the kicking game was what decided this matchup. You have Johnson, who kicked two for two in his first career game, signed off, as I said, the Bears practice squad. Uh, they had one field goal in the entire first five games, New Orleans. So, uh, that was a plus, whereas Seattle, Jason Myers, who has been reliable since coming across, uh, spent time on the Jags and the Jets in the past, he misses two kicks from 53 and 44. And in such a tight, low-scoring game where points were at a premium, that's really what cost the Seahawks. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you go through it, uh, they were really what down to the New Orleans, what, 24 at one point, uh, late in the game, I think seven minutes left. And... Realistically, they probably could have kicked a field goal from there, but Geno Smith takes that sack on third down, pushing them back to 53 yards, and I think that really switched it. Myers missed the 53-yarder, and from there, the Saints took off, uh, kicked a field goal before the turnover on downs at the end. So, yeah, I think the kicking game really was a deciding factor here. They kicked that field goal there at very least going overtime. Indeed, and, and Jason Myers, when I say he's been reliable, he made 100% of his field goals last year um, on, on the Seattle team that went 20-4. Uh, 12 and four, excuse me. Uh, this season, he's attempted kicks in four games, field goals, this is no points, uh, and he's missed one in three of them now. So, um, oh, excuse me, four or five. So, yeah, he, he missed a, a kick uh, in the loss to Minnesota. He's missed a kick uh, in the loss to the Rams. Now he's missed a kick tonight. So, possible problems there. And, you know, it's just the start of the problems for this team. Gorda, we've talked about not having Russell Wilson, the offensive line didn't hold up very well. Geno Smith, that last drive is an example. They get the ball back just under two minutes to go, looking for a field goal to tie it at the very least, and he's under pressure, and he's sacked a couple of times, putting them in a fourth, and it was 28 in the end there and really no chance. Um, but I guess we've got to give some credit to Dennis Allen and what he dialed up with this defense. Yeah, no, the Saints were really impressive. I mean, their offense wasn't great, uh, obviously. I mean, leading James leading to 13 points isn't great, but... Yeah, the defense really stood up, even if it is against a, a pretty bad Seattle offense at the moment. You can only play who they give you. Um, they made the plays they needed to. Um, just overall, outside of that one massive touchdown to DK Metcalf early, I think they that was, what, an 83-yarder? They pretty much let up, uh, what was it, maybe 200 more yards for the entire game. So if you take out that one massive play, it was an incredible performance. I think it was an 84-yard touchdown to Metcalf. And then for the rest of the game, um, Geno Smith's completions went for a total of 83 yards. So he didn't get – you know, he, he got more in that entire one play than he did in the rest of the game, and that tells you about it. Um, defensively, I guess the criticism that Sean Payton would have is the uh, ill-discipline. I think it was four in the end personal fouls uh, against the Saints uh, defense for – I mean, there was a lot going on between Lattimore and DK Metcalf, of course, uh, 
after that big play to start the game uh, and 15-yard chunks. I mean, they didn't cost them then, but they go home and they play the Bucks next week, Gordo. Uh, against a team like the Bucks, who you think you're going to score pretty much every time you've got the ball, you really can't be afford to giving away uh, yards like that. So I'm sure that's something that Sean Payton will stress throughout the week. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you look at uh, Tom Brady getting short fields, it feels like um, you just can't afford to give up any sort of yardage to this team at all. Indeed. Uh, I guess you talk about Winston didn't have a great night. Uh, Alvin Kamara, it seems like almost every night, um, I think along with Derek Henry, they get a lot of workload and tonight, you know, another exception, not so much on the ground, 20 for 51. Seattle actually did a quite a good job up front um, on that element, but catching the ball screens and so on, 10 catches, 128 yards and a score. So in the one drive, when the, uh, the Saints were able to really break it open in the middle of the field uh, and led to their seven points, Kamara had his fingerprints on all over that drive. So yes, uh, the uh, Saints get a win. They're actually four and two now. Um, we talk about the five big teams in the NFC. The Saints have positioned themselves. They're not going to use much talk as these other teams, but they are positioned themselves in the sixth uh, playoff position. I talked about that game against the Bucks next week. That's a big one. On the flip side, Seattle, uh, two wins on the season uh, and five games outside the lead. It's stunning. After only, it's because of obviously the Cardinals uh, are undefeated, but after only seven weeks uh, to be five games out of a division, Gordo. Um, the best they can hope for is Russell gets back, they make a run, and, and they get in as a wild card. Yeah, no, I mean, they play, what, Jacksonville next week. you got to think that if they don't win that, then the season's done. I mean, it's probably finished tonight, realistically. I don't see them coming back from two and five, but a loss to Jacksonville would be an absolute disaster next week. It's what the Packers and maybe the Cardinals again coming out of that bye. So it's not looking good. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you. I saw you on Twitter kind of comparing this situation to uh, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers uh, went out with injury 2017 season, I want to say, or 2018 season, one of the two. Um, and you had a backup quarterback and that kind of exposed the cracks that have perhaps been papered over when you have a quarterback there. Similar thing happening with Pete Carroll. Uh, he is a defensive coach. This defense has been bad for a few years now. His running game styles, it's not happening the way he wants to. It seems like he's so reliant on um, Russell Wilson in the same way that Mike McCarthy was um, with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at both careers, they're remarkably similar, I think. Uh, win a Super Bowl pretty early in the career. Uh, they don't make it back. They do pretty well the next year. In Russell's case, he makes the Super Bowl, obviously loses it to the Pats. Rodgers uh, loses in the divisional round to the Giants. But, yeah, it's, it's since then, the team seemed to have really relied on individual talent, uh, Rodgers and Wilson just carrying them with coaching staff who maybe aren't making the best decisions, but it gets masked, they make the playoffs, they, they're they a winning franchise. And then all it takes is one injury. You saw Rogers, it was 2017, going down with that collarbone. And then Russ this year with his finger, they go out and all of a sudden you're starting a backup who is nowhere near the quality of the starter and the coach really can't do anything with it. Um, both offenses really struggled. Seattle's at the moment is almost unwatchable, even with, what might be the best wide receiver tandem in the league. Yeah, I mean, talk about unwatchable. They're on prime time tonight, and Steve Levy mentioned on the telecast, over the last decade, they've got the best record at home. They're now 0-3 at home. Last time is 1992. They started 0-3 at home, and they finished 2-14 and in that season. So, um, you know, worrying signs on that and that front. And then, of course, in prime time, that's two in a, uh, two games in a week they've lost in prime time. Obviously, when the schedule makers were creating it, they would have envisioned Russell Wilson um, starting. And then the other point is, um, I agree, the kind of Packers 
comparison, they've tried to recycle through offensive coordinators as Mike McCarthy eventually did. They brought in Joe Philbin at the end there of his reign. Um, they got rid of Schottenheimer and they got rid of Bevel. Now they've got Shane Waldron in there. The question is, well, two things. Does Seattle, uh, Seattle, does Russell Wilson decide to go to a new team like Aaron Rodgers? I mean, still maybe it hasn't yet. Or will he get that second coming? Of course, Rodgers now with a new coach has been to two consecutive NFC championships and they're up the top of the NFC again this season. You wonder if Seattle, uh, do you think Russell Wilson, he will get that second go and he'll perhaps outlast uh, Pete Carroll. I know Pete Carroll did sign a new contract extension. I believe it was last off season. Any thoughts on that? I'm honestly not sure. I think the Seattle situation is slightly different because they don't have that first round pick this year. So it's not like they can bring in a really high end uh, talent in the draft because of course they traded that to the Jets for Jamal Adams which is a completely different conversation in and of itself. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough situation at the moment. Yes, Jamal yes, Adams is an interesting one. We'll move on now because I'm sure we'll come back to that another time. Lots to get into. We'll start, of course, with our good, the bad and the ugly uh, from the Sunday slate of week seven games. Now, goods are two statement wins. Uh, we'll start with you, Gordo. Your good is uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, no, I mean, we were talking about them on the preview show and said, we didn't think they'd win this, but if they did, it would be a massive statement and really uh, put them in that conversation. And they're currently the one seed now in the AFC. Uh, I'm guessing no one would have seen that coming before the season. Um, they're just incredible all over the board. You look at that Burrow to Chase connection, Jamar Chase have won another 200 yards on eight catches, that long 82-yard touchdown again. Uh, so the offense is firing, the defense is really stepping up, they're limited what had previously been pretty much one of the best offenses in football to, uh, what was it, 17 points at home. So everything is coming up Cincinnati right now. It, I think Zach Taylor is really solidifying himself as a head coach there. Yeah, I've got down my notes here. Zach Taylor, coach of the year, question mark. We talked about it last week on our, uh, on our extravaganza show. We talked about Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McDermott, Staley. I think you've got to throw um, Zach Taylor's name in amongst that. Uh, everything else, I mean, as you said, everything's working. This defense is the one that surprises me. People thought Lou Adaruno perhaps might get let go um, last offseason when they kept Taylor. He hasn't been there fifth in the league in scoring uh, and from a yards perspective, middle of the pack, but it's it's the points that matter. I've always said that. And then in terms of offensive scoring, they're seventh in terms of points. You talked about Chase. That was a stunning play. We'll get onto the game. But, yes, yeah, certainly looking good. Uh, I've gone for another AFC team. It's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, one of the more confusing teams, I guess, because they lost that game to the Jets. Uh, they beat the Titans, uh, they beat the Jags, then they beat the Bills in that thriller on Monday Night Football. But this was a, a this was a one-sided affair. They just pants the Chiefs. Um, another team where the defense is showing up more than you'd expect, and the offense. I mean, we all know Derrick Henry, but the passing game got going against the Chiefs. Um, they they didn't score in the second half. They could afford to do that just because of the dominance they laid on that Kansas City team in the first half. Now, perhaps the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs, but I think we've, it's time, Gordo, we started giving the Titans some credit. Yeah, it's amazing to consider that it was, what, a month ago that they lost that game to the Jets. And I think I was questioning whether Mike Rabel was going to keep his job. And since then, they've just gone on a tear and it's been incredibly impressive. Yeah, well, um, interesting. Next week, of course, they play the Colts. We'll get onto that later. Um, who were also very impressive. But, yes, those are our goods from uh, the Sunday slate. The Bengals and the Titans onto a bad Gordo. Uh, who are you taking? Uh, I think this is pretty clear. It's going to Chicago. Just one of the worst games of football I've ever seen yesterday. It was just all over bad. The defence 
I mean, the defense of this team has been the high point for almost its entire existence, it seems. And yesterday, it really felt like they sort of just got broken early. Uh, 21 nothing in the first quarter, 35 to, what, three at halftime. They couldn't defend what the offense was giving them. Short, uh, short fields, um, turnovers, it just, everything about the Bears is just bad at the moment. Yeah, I mean, three points on 13 offensive drives, five turnovers, four sacks. Um, you know, with Tom Brady and that offense on the other side, they really didn't stand a chance. You feel for Justin Fields, there's a lot of, you know, hashtag fire Matt Nagy. Of course, he's not calling the plays anymore, as we understand it. Um, Bill Laser is. But uh, I think they're going to keep beating up on on not-so-good teams and keep losing to contenders, uh, uh, the Bears. We could end up, God forbid, seeing them in the playoffs again. But... Um, yeah, certainly a disappointing performance down in Tampa Bay from the Bears there. I've gone with the Jets. Look, I've, I know we tend to pick on the New York teams a bit, but um, look, 54 to 13 uh, really says it all. Uh, first time they've given up 50 points in 420 games. It was 1995. It was week one at Miami. They lost 52 to 14. Um, and then, of course, Zach Wilson, they lose with a sprained PCL. He's out, they say, two to four weeks. We reckon more like six to eight weeks, knowing that kind of an injury. Um they trade for Flacco from the Eagles. Of course, he was, I think it was 20, I want to say 18 or 19. He started with the Jets. He's been to a few teams now. He was on Denver for a while and now he's with Philly. But um, he comes back. They obviously don't like White, who came in the second half. Um, but it's a, it's it's another dismal season uh, unfolding for Jets fans, Gordon. Yeah, I've seen a few online starting to question the hiring of Sala and uh, Michael Fleur in particular, who's meant to be this offensive guru, but the offense is just not doing anything. I mean, I, I think it's too early to make any moves yet and admit that it was a failure. You don't want to uh, put too many coordinators through Zach Wilson too early, but some things have to change there. It's not working at all for them. Yeah, and Joe Douglas, the GM as well. He got his man in. You know, he didn't want uh, Adam Gase. He brought in uh, Salah, but uh, as you're right, I think perhaps an ex- more experienced offensive assistant or something on the offensive side of the ball to help Lafleur. Um, they had Greg Knapp lost him in the offseason. But, yes, troubles in New York. The other New York team did get a much-needed win. We will get onto that, we promise. Uh, Giants fans, onto the ugly Gordo. Uh, I've already been, we've already mentioned them once in this segment. Who are you taking? Yeah, I've got to go with the Chiefs here. Um, I think we keep expecting them to bounce back and have a good performance. Um, they sort of did last week against Washington, but then here just, I mean, three points against what has been one of the worst defences going around the last couple of years. It's, there's clearly problems going on there now. I think this is the first time I'm really questioning whether they're actually a playoff team or not. Um, they're sitting at three and four. Uh, the offense is hurting. Mahomes, um, I know he cleared concussion protocol, but I'm not entirely convinced after seeing the hit that he took. Um, receivers are dropping balls. The line can't block. And then the defense is a completely, uh, just a shambles at the moment. So this feels like the first time in what five or six years, even that we're really questioning the chiefs. And I mean, every team's going to go through it, but it's not looking good right now. Yeah. Uh, and we'll obviously get into that in more detail later, but I don't think there's any sense in these tweets of fire Andy Reid and fire Patrick Mahomes. I, you know, get rid of Patrick. I, I think that's just absolute lunacy. I'm sure anyone who actually knows the game would know that. Um, this is a franchise who for so long had no success in the playoffs and they've just bought them two straight Super Bowl appearances. I think you need to cut them a bit of slack when you've lost a few games. Yes, um, 
they have issues, but as we discussed in the offseason, with the amount of money they're having to pay to their big stars, there's going to be holes in this roster. Defense, that's been an issue with Andy Reid led Andy Reid led teams for, for, for decades. Um they had all those years with Bob Sutton, and now of course Spagnolo looked like it fixed that they haven't. Um I think I agree with you. I think they're possibly no longer a contender, but then again, they were one and five in 2015 when Andy Reid and Alex Smith was the quarterback and they reeled off something like 12 straight wins. So, you know, um, we'll wait and see what unfolds. But at the moment, you're right. It it was an ugly performance. I've gone with the Panthers. I mentioned the Giants. Um, They went to take on the Giants. uh, And this is, uh, we talked about bad offensive performances from the Bears and the Jets. I think this rivals that three total points, 173 total yards. Uh, Sam Darnold bench with a 57.2 passer rating. Um, PJ Walker comes in. Uh, I'll get to it a bit later, but the um, if you go through the drives uh, and, and the outcome of them, it's really, really gruesome reading. Clearly, uh, Matt Rule's had enough. Joe Brady's the OC. He gets all this talk about being an innovating young coach, Gordo, who is you know looked at as head coaching jobs in the college ranks and in the NFL. Um, gee, if he can fix this, he'll be a wizard. Because at the moment, the team you picked to make the playoffs in our show last week, um, they're in real trouble. I will say that that was based off Christian McCaffrey getting healthy, which it doesn't look like at the moment, considering he's got to spend, I think, another two weeks on IR. But yeah, this was just horrible. I mean, the Giants have been close to the worst franchise in football for four years, and then Carolina comes out and does this. They should be able to at least put up a fight and not get blown out by 20, what, 22 points. Um, yeah, it. I didn't watch much of this game, I'll be honest. I, I checked the score. Lucky you. I saw, saw it was, what, five to three or something at halftime and was not impressed at all at that, especially considering what I said during the league with Carolina. But, yeah, it, it's not looking good. Yeah, you talk about the five score. I mean, we had a few safeties across the year and across the NFL this week, so a few bizarre score lines. Um, but, yeah, the Panthers are in trouble in the NFC South. Okay, let's get on to our run-through of all, uh, of course, 13 games this week um, with six teams on bye. We've already talked about the Thursday night football game where the Browns beat the Broncos, so we've got 12 to get through. And we will start, we've already talked about it, Gordo, in Cincinnati. It was my top pick, uh, not in today, excuse me, in Baltimore. Uh, Cincinnati were on the road. It was a matchup of the AFC North leaders. And, you know, we said, talk about a statement win, 41-17, to 17, um, the week after the Ravens have blown out another AFC contender in, in the Chargers. Um, yeah, they don't get much bigger than that. Look, a relatively uneventful first half. Cincinnati led 13 to 10. Um, Baltimore start the second uh, half with a, a lovely five-play, 75-yard drive. To, uh, Lamar Jackson with a dime to Hollywood Brown in the back of the end zone, 39-yard uh, reception, and the Ravens were leading 17 to 13. Cincinnati come right back. CJ Uzama, who, of course, we all learned his name on in that uh, Thursday night game. They beat uh, the Jays a couple of weeks back. He catches one of his two touchdown passes on the day, and it seems like we've got a bit of a back and forth going. Uh, however, Baltimore punt, and Cincinnati get the ball back, and the play that really breaks open the games and the plays you'll see on the highlight reels at the end of the season. Jamar Chase, third down and two from the 18-yard line of Cincinnati, catches the pass. When he catches the ball and there's a defender on him, he's got a gain of six yards, six yards. Breaks a tackle, twists out of another couple, and takes it 82 yards for the house. Kevin Harlan was calling it. He was losing his mind. Um just add it to the, as I said, the highlight reel of this player. Chase, eight catches for 201 yards and a score. He's got 754 yards. That's the most ever through first seven uh, games in NFL history, uh, you know, for a rookie. And Randy Moss uh, and him are the only two uh, uh, rookies with 50 
or more yards in each of their first seven games. Look, the Ravens couldn't do anything on offense for most of the second half after that touchdown I mentioned to Hollywood Brown. Cincinnati defense, we've talked about them five sacks. They've got more sacks this season than they do all of last season. We're only seven weeks in. Um, uh, you know, I, we criticize some of their acquisitions on defense in the offseason. They're paying off now. Um, uh, the Ravens defense did pick off Burrow at one point in the third quarter, and we thought that was perhaps a Kickstarter. But uh, look, the next two drives, Cincinnati went touchdown, touchdown, and you know it was a blowout. So it's already 41 to 17. Um, you look at the Baltimore offense, their drives in the second half. 34 yards, 10 yards, 28 yards, 29 yards, minus one, 40 and six um, after that touchdown. So they didn't really get close to scoring. Yeah, all in all, a good day for on all sides of the ball um, for Cincinnati. Burrow, 23 of 38, 416, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Joe uh, Mixon and uh, P. Ryan both found the end zone. Uh, look, Cincinnati a top 10 offensively in part points and yards, the top five in defensively points. Um and look, Gordo, Baltimore, Baltimore in particular, another one of these really tough AFC teams to read. We've got all these five and two teams. Both of these two teams are five and two. Um, I know this was a blowout, but I think these two teams will still be in it, and they're going to make for a really entertaining contest as to who's going to win the AFC North. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you look what uh, Cincinnati's doing on offense. I think all the talk around uh, Jamar Chase has been on Rookie of the Year, obviously. I think it's time to talk about him as an all-pro contender. I mean... What second in yards, uh, equal fourth in touchdowns. He's just, I don't think we've seen a better rookie receiving season what, since Randy Moss almost. I mean, I know Odell had a great one, Justin Jefferson last year, of course, but I mean, Chase is just on another level. It's it's amazing watching him just play football. Um, just the, the connection he has with Burrow, I think it's going to lead to a lot more teams, maybe drafting college teammates of quarterbacks. As well, mm-hmm. just that chemistry. Um, I know Miami went out and did it with Jalen Waddle. They got him for tour. Um, and Philadelphia just, with Devonta Smith yeah, and Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know exactly how well they're doing. I haven't got the exact stats in front of me, but yeah, Chase and Burrow. That's I think enough proof that you need just to draft on fit. Uh, all the talk was Panay Saul, but this offensive line's been really impressive as well. Um, they made a couple acquisitions, but. Realistically, I don't think they really needed Saul at all. He's been decent for Detroit, but I think Chase is the obvious pick now. Yeah, indeed, it's uh, it's you got to give some credit to this offense, this uh, front office for Cincinnati. Um, you know, they got this team in a position to win, and, and four and two. You know, everything's coming up roses. Think about it, this is a, a franchise that hasn't had a uh, a playoff win in in well well over twenty years now. Um, some heartbreak with Marvin Lewis at the helm in the playoffs. Um, you'd think from here they have a chance to really go and change the narrative there. Uh, next week, Cincinnati in New York to take on the Jets, the very much wounded Jets. Uh, Baltimore uh, will be on the uh, bye. So uh, a chance to rest and recuperate. They come out of that playing Minnesota at home and then uh, Miami at prime time. So, you know, they'll bounce back from this. You know, everyone loses uh, both teams, as we said, five and two um, with Cincinnati having the tiebreaker. They lead the AFC North. Okay, the other statement game, Mentioned it. It was in Tennessee, Kansas City on the road. Another one that was hard to read. We talked about them falling to the Jets and coming off an impressive win over the Bills, Gordo. But, uh, yeah, talking of statement wins, this sure was one. Yeah, I mean, I took this game second thinking, okay, it's probably going to be pretty entertaining. I think we said, yeah, high scoring because neither defense is great. And what we got was the complete 
demolition, really. Uh, Kansas City just could not move the ball. Uh, turnovers again, a couple really ugly picks. Mahomes fumbled a couple times. It just it feels like all the luck that the Chiefs have had through the last what three four years is just coming back to bite them now. Um, these turnovers really are hitting. I mean, Tennessee's defense really won this game. The offense, you look at the stats: Tannehill twenty one and twenty seven, two seventy and a touchdown. Uh, Derrick Henry threw for a touchdown, only ran for eighty six. The offensive performance wasn't great for Tennessee. It, it was solid, but it wasn't anything special. But yeah, this defense really came to play and just completely blanketed the Kansas City offense. Yeah, it's interesting. You hear that Tennessee had beaten Kansas City by 24 points. You'd think, well, you know, Derrick Henry must have gone for 150 and a couple of scores. Well, no, 86 yards. So you could say on that level, the Chiefs' defense did a pretty good job. Uh, but again, they, they weren't uh, dealt a great hand by the way their offense was playing. Um, serious issues for the Chiefs. So, I mean, you've already touched on it, but I was wondering where you are kind of on the Kansas City panic scale. So, you know, obviously one Super Bowl bound, 10 in danger of missing the playoffs. But it seems like, um, from what I've gauged from your opinion, do you think they are, might not miss the playoffs, but they, there's certainly a chance? I mean, right now they're the 11th seed. And you look at the top seven right now, Cincinnati's not looking like losing. Vegas is playing well. Tennessee's playing well. Buffalo, Baltimore, Chargers, the Browns are probably the shaky one in there considering their injury situation. But right now, I think I'd have those seven easily over Kansas City. So I don't see a way that they make it in. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it could all turn around, but we can only go on what we've seen. They play on Monday Night Football next week against the Giants. That'll be a massive stage. The Giants, of course, coming off a win, so they'll be confident, uh, three and four. The Chiefs, um, from a statistical perspective, they didn't score a touchdown for the first time in the Mahomes era. And Andy Reid is one and eight versus Tennessee, easily his worst record versus any team. So no luck for him in the Music City. I mean, Mahomes is tied for the most interceptions. He's got nine on the season. Uh, he's six straight games and picks, 16 picks in his last 16 starts. Um, I mean, I think you, you said it, Gordo. They were getting a lot of luck with uh, dropped interceptions or interception-worthy plays that weren't coming up as turnovers, not such this year. I mean, you look at the turnovers across the Mahomes era, 18 in his first year, 15, 16. This is for the team. Uh, this year, they've already got 17. We're not even halfway through. They're going to smash that. Um, yeah, real problems. For Tennessee, impressive. They, they do play Indianapolis. I don't think it gets any easier, Gordo, because Indianapolis have been really impressive. They probably should have beaten the Ravens. They didn't. Um, and we'll get to them shortly. But um, if they can beat Indy next week, they're 6-2. and two, And we might be going back to the narrative we had initially in the early weeks that they're a lock uh, for the AFC South title. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Um, winning that puts them, what, three games ahead with the tie break. So, yeah, they pretty much uh, sew that division up, I think, with a win. Indeed, that'll be one of the better ones on the week eight slate. Okay, we'll move on and we'll go from some closer games um, to some less close games. I mentioned in the intro we had the one one-possession game. It's, I mean, we did both think it was going to be close, but uh, it's not the game you probably would have circled as the most entertaining. In fact, I believe it was your it was your last pick, Gordon, the second last pick of our early window. Uh, Falcons at Miami. And look, uh, look, Atlanta became synonymous with blowing leads. They have as a franchise ever since that 28-3 um, to 3 Super Bowl 51, really. Uh, and it looked like that might be the case again this week with Miami scoring two fourth-quarter touchdowns to take a late lead. But ultimately, Gordo, they did enough. Young Way Koo hits from 36 as time expires. And honestly, don't look now. Atlanta, 3-3, three and three, and they're right in the NFC wildcard race. Who would have thought after they got demolished uh, in the first two weeks, Gordo? Yeah, I mean, they're tied for the seventh seed right now, uh, just behind Minnesota. So they're playing pretty well. Matt Ryan's playing, I know he won MVP in 2016, but this might be the best Matt Ryan's played 
his career, really. I mean, it's not getting talked about because it is Atlanta and they're not big names, but he's been incredible so far this year. The connection he's building with Kyle Pitts is insane. Pitts, seven catches, 163 yards, a couple of massive catches down the sideline, especially on that final drive to put them in field goal range. Um, taking a tight end that high in the draft is always risky, but I think Pitts is really showing why they did it. Um, he's on pace, I think, to break Ditka's record for rookie tight end receiving yards by about 300 yards. So, so often you see tight ends take a while to develop in the system. They take a couple of years at least to really get comfortable in the offense. But he's just such a special player that he's able to just come in and do what he wants now. Yeah, and you talk about it. They, they really should have beaten Washington in that game. And then they'd have four wins on the trot. As it is, they're at three and three. On your, and your, as you say, they're tied with the Vikings in that seven seed. Uh, and looking at Ryan, he had four, three straight games with over 100 pass rating. This is 95. That's, I believe, still just above the average in the league. Um, this defense is always going to give up points. But as you said, they've been good on offense and special teams underrated on this team. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but Young Wake, who I think is probably the most underrated kicker um, in the NFL. Uh, he had a game winner a couple of weeks ago uh, against the Giants. Uh, yeah, I think. On some level, I mean, you know, you know, the general people like Butker and, and uh, McManus up in Denver and Tucker um, up in Baltimore get, I think he's getting close to coming into that top echelon. Obviously, he hasn't done it as long uh, for the sustained period of time, Gordo. Um, but it really helps when you can have a kicker there who you can trust to make the kicks, uh, you know, when the game's in the line. Yeah, no, they're so underappreciated. I think in any team, uh, you don't really realize just how important they are until you have a bad one. I think like a lot of fans will take a good kicker for granted. I know Packers fans with Crosby for so many years have just said, yep, we've got Crosby. But you see these teams going through kicker tryouts constantly, um, missing kicks, whatever. It's so important just to have a good one for situations like this where you need the game-winning kick. Indeed. And Koo has not missed a kick uh, this year. He's perfect on field goals and extra points. Uh, we'll flip the conversation. We've got to talk about Miami Gordo. Um, we, we were worried about them. I mentioned Brian Flores possibly on the hot seat couple of weeks ago when we did a show and now we have reports of disgruntlement in the locker room and we think perhaps maybe there is a chance of course he's on that guaranteed contract and then Deshaun Watson's hanging over this franchise what did you make of Tua's performance obviously with the late fourth quarter comeback and where do you see uh, Flores? Tua is such a I'm not sure what to think I mean he he hasn't played a full season yet I think this was his 12th or 13th start probably Four touchdowns. I know the picks look bad. They weren't great throws, but he he did enough to score 28 points, which is something that he's been criticised for so far. They haven't been a high-scoring offence. He scored four touchdowns. Threw for, what, almost 300 yards again. Um, decent completion percentage. I, he needs time to develop in this system, and the constant talk isn't going to help him. Uh, it's going to create a lot of div uh, division in the front office, I think, and just in the media in general and among the fan base, but he he's not the problem with Miami. The offensive line's the problem. The defense is the problem. He hasn't been great, but he's not in the right situation to be good yet. And a percentage chance, do you think, on uh, Deshaun Watson ending up as a Miami player before the trade deadline's over? I'm honestly not sure. Um, I think a lot will depend. I, I think a lot depends on how two was played. And these last two weeks... If I was Miami, I've seen nothing to tell me that he's not the future. He's played pretty well these last couple of weeks. I'd be confident in him moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to play Buffalo next week. So it's not the game, the team you want to go play to get your, your season back on track. They're 1-6 now, um, tied for the worst record in the AFC. Atlanta at home, they take on the Panthers uh, next week, who are in the middle of, an, uh, middle of a, a tailspin, and then at New Orleans and at Dallas. So it does get a bit trickier, but um, I think we'd... I mean, I don't know if they'd be favoured, but they certainly um, have a real chance in that game against Carolina. Okay, we'll move on to a game in the late window. It was your game again, Gordo. A lot of talk, you know, um, in the lead-up to this game, it was Detroit at the Rams. Of course, we know the big trade in the off-season. Um, Sean McVay wanting to upgrade at the position, as he called it. He sends Goff and a couple of first-round picks to Detroit, um, where they're trying to build something, and he gets himself Matthew Stafford. And early on in this game, Gordo, um, Dan Campbell, he's a lot of things, and he was a trickster. Decided to, you know, reach into his bag of tricks on special teams early and often, and you know, it, it worked. Yeah, no, I mean, this was actually a pretty fun game. I think a lot of people would have been predicting a pretty big blowout, but realistically, you got fake punts, you got onside kicks. Detroit, I think, is at that stage where it's yeah, it doesn't really matter. We'd rather uh, get blown out by twenty points and have fun doing it than lose in a close one. I know that's not necessarily a great mindset, but at least the team's probably enjoying it. Uh, you're getting these fake punts. You're, you're kicking an onside kick after the first drive of the game. I'm not sure how much of that was just to give the offense their first chance for the year to have the ball with the lead, which seems insane that we're in week seven and they still hadn't had that opportunity. But yeah, Detroit again showed some positive signs, I think. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of issues here. The defense isn't great. The receivers aren't great, but they, they're doing well without winning games. They're showing that there is some hope there for the future. Yeah, indeed. I think look, they probably want to win a game some point for the fans, but it is good to be competitive and still lose because you get, of course, first overall pick, although it's not a strong quarterback class as we've discussed. Matthew Stafford, 28 for 41, 3-3-4, three scores against his old team. That's a pretty perfect game. It's 117.3. Not sure if that's, don't think that is quite the perfect quarterback rating, but um, pretty good day. He also brought up his 300 touchdown pass in his 172nd career game. He's the seventh fastest in NFL history to bring up that mark. And the names you listen to who is behind, who did it faster than him, you've got uh, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Dan Marino, three Hall of Famers. And then the other three are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew B. So pretty good company there. Um, he's obviously still got a way to go. And Cooper Cup, another amazing day, 10 for 156 and a couple of scores. He has nine three, nine touchdowns through seven games. That's second, uh, equal second ever in the Super Bowl era behind Calvin Johnson in 2011 and Randy Moss on that 2007 Patriots team, um, both coming up with 10 scores uh, over that period. Okay, Detroit Lions next week hosting Philadelphia. So perhaps there's a chance for a win there uh, as for the Rams. Uh, they will be at Houston, um, who've got certainly issues of themselves, so a chance for them uh, to add to their win column. Of course, they'd be 6-1 and one now, and uh, Detroit Lions 0-7, and, and we keep saying, uh, of course, haven't been 0-7 since they went 0-16 back in 2008. Okay, we move from Los Angeles to, well, just a little way up the coast to San Francisco. It was Sunday night football. It was played in torrential uh, and raining conditions. Um, and look, both teams really desperate for a win. Gordon, we talked about Indianapolis... Uh, very impressive. Couldn't get the win against Baltimore a couple of weeks back on Monday Night Football. 
uh, dispatched of the Texans and then it came in. We both took them despite San Francisco being favoured. We weren't sure why San Francisco were favoured considering they were very inconsistent two and three coming off the bye. And in the end, we were we were made to look good, shall I say. At 30 to 18, the final. Indianapolis get the road, uh, the road win. Um, and the same kind of recipe, really. Uh, a good run game, stout defence, and above average play from Carson Wentz. You'd have to say good. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, outside of that one whatever, I think it was ended up class as a fumble. Uh, that shovel pass early on in the game because it got, did get tipped in the end. Outside of that play, Wentz played pretty well, especially considering the conditions. I mean, you're not expecting quarterbacks to throw for 200 yards even in this sort of weather. Um, you look at the stat line, Wentz, 150 yards and two touchdowns on reasonably good completion percentage. That's, that's all you need from him. There are a couple bad throws in there that could have been picked, but realistically, that's a, a really good game for him again. Um, again, San Francisco, just, they don't look good. Garoppolo, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that he's not the answer. Um, I saw Kyle Shanahan, I think, said that this was the worst game he's played for them. Um, but he's not ruling out starting him again next week because I don't think Lance is ready either. Um, it feels like Lance is going to only come in when, once the season's really gone. It seems once they're out of playoff contention, then maybe you play Lance and see what you've got. But Garoppolo, he's not the answer at all. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people jumping on board your narrative about, you know, Kyle Shanahan put four losing seasons and then the one Super Bowl season in between them. And this could well be on their way to a fifth. Um, You know, not many coaches or franchises will be keeping coaches around um, after that. But uh, Seems like he has a supreme level of job security. Uh, look to me, Indianapolis really dominated this game. You talked about that Wentz turnover. It was at the Indiana, it was at the four yard line of San Francisco, so you know about to go in and score. Uh, and ultimately, their defense really sealed the game. Xavier Rhodes picks off um, Jimmy G when it's a five point ball game, and um, San Francisco trying to take the lead. Uh, the Colts cashed in for six, and then Garoppolo actually got picked off again uh, in the ensuing drive. He finishes as you know, 16 for 27, 181, a couple of picks with the score and fumbled twice, a lot of fumbling. It was a wet night. Um, they had one drive where they had success beyond the first quarter. That was the four-play drive, completions of 29, 27, and 14 yards, where the Colts' defense was really bad. But other than that, they did a really good job, I thought. Uh, both backs uh, had the exact same statistics. That's Jonathan Taylor, Elijah Mitchell, 18 to 107 and a score. Um and look, I mean, Indianapolis, it's a, it's a great win, Gordo, but they can't stop to enjoy it because they're three and four and they go home to take on, as we've mentioned, Tennessee. If they get that win, well, then they're a game out. Uh, if they get that loss, as you mentioned, three games back and they don't have the uh, tiebreaker. Uh, and San Francisco also two and four. They've got to play Chicago. So that's a matchup of two teams who are, well, A, have not didn't play very well, and B, Gordo, um, I guess, looking for a win. I don't know. It feels like the loser of San Francisco and Chicago possibly out, or do you think that's not the case because at the moment you only need right a 500 record to get into the playoffs at the NFC at this point? I mean, at this point, I think I'm writing both of them off, but I think, yeah, definitely the loser's done. Uh, San Francisco losing, that drops them to two and five, and that's in this uh, conference, that's pretty much impossible to come back from, especially in the division they're in. They've still got to play the Rams. Uh, the Seahawks beat them early, um, and the Cardinals again, obviously. Chicago, I, I don't see them making any damage at all, even if they do somehow make it in. But they're a chance, maybe, considering the six and seven seeds probably aren't going to be great if they can have this defence carry them. But if, if they keep serving up what we saw on the weekend, then no shot. 
Indeed. Okay, we'll stay in the Western time zone. We'll go to Las Vegas. Um, and look, another impressive performance from Derek Carr and the Raiders' offense. Uh, Ritz Basashi is 2-0 and as an NFL head coach. As Vegas improves to 5-2 with a 33-22 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Carr, 31 for 34, 90% completion. That's, uh, you don't see that all very often. 3-2-3 yards, a couple of touchdowns and a pick. And, you know, they finally found success on the ground. The Raiders also 119 yards, a couple of scores. Look, uh, not much to say. Philadelphia perspective started off well. Nice touchdown drive, 62 yards, 10 plays. Hurts to Kenneth Gamewell for an early 7 to nothing lead. And then they went punt, punt. Kenneth Gamewell fumble, end of half. Punt, fumbled, snap at the one-yard line of Las Vegas on fourth and goal. Uh, Max Crosby leaped over on third and goal to stop Hurts from scoring. That was a great play. And then, of course, forcing the fumble on fourth and goal from the one. So they were turned away with no points there. And by that stage, it was 30 to 7. The game was over. They did their typical thing, as we saw it in the Bucks game. They scored two late touchdowns. However, a turnover on downs at midfield sealed it, 33 to 22. The final, a lot of questions over Philadelphia. A lot of, you talk about Twitter, a lot of uh, I guess anger at Howie Roseman. Um, think probably prioritizing long-term rather than short-term success with this franchise. Poor old Nick Sirianni is getting a lot of hate. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator. Um, this Eagles defense is a real problem. In the franchise's first uh, 1,285 games, they allowed eight quarterbacks to pass for 80% or more of their passes, and four of the last five quarterbacks they've played have done it. Uh, look, they're 27th in points, 22nd in yards. They've given up 32.5 points a game since week three. That's the worst in the league over that period. Um, there's really not – I mean, Hurts didn't have a great game. Uh, look, there's not much positivity to point to, Gordo. Um, you know, they're two and four. I guess the only positive point is they're playing in Detroit who are undefeated next week and they might have a chance, you know, to get another win on the season. Yeah, I think at this point, the Philadelphia season's looking forward to the draft. I mean, those three first round picks, likely top five from Miami. Uh, there's one from Indianapolis as well. Who knows how that ends up turning up? But that's, of course, only if Wentz plays and makes 75% of snaps and then there's their own picks. So, that's at least something to look forward to, but looking at how some of these first round picks have been used in the past, that's maybe not, not a great thing to look forward to. Uh, some of these decisions have been kind of baffling, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much a lost season at this point for Philadelphia. Um, it's mostly about just developing Hurts and seeing if he's really a long-term option. Indeed, as for Vegas, well, they followed up that disappointing loss to the Bears with back-to-back -back wins against the Broncos. And now the Eagles, of course, as I mentioned, Risp Basach are now 2-0 and um, as head coach. Um, they got the bye next week, just them in Atlanta, just two teams on the bye, so we'll have a 15-game schedule. And then they play at New York Giants, uh, certainly a winnable game. And then uh, they go to another divisional opponent. They'll uh, host Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. So that could, you know, that could be a real game where we see, um, I mean, the uh, dethronement of, K of KC. They've won every division title going back to 2016. Um, we talk about how good the Chargers are and now the Raiders looking good. That could be the game where we get to see a change in the guard and the division. Um, as I say, the beast in KC dethroned. But for now, Vegas on the bye, they get a good win. Uh, and there's not much else to say about that game. We'll move it on to uh, Gordo, your blokes. It's the Green Bay Packers. They hosted the Washington football team, desperate for a win from Lambeau Field. Sporting some nice-looking uh, throwback jerseys, the Packers. They kept the winning ways going comfortable, 24-10 to 10 in Lambeau. Gordo, tell us all about it. Yeah, uh, this game was actually a lot closer, I think, than what the final score says. Um, Washington had so many chances through that third, even the late second quarter through the third, and just 
kept turning it over at the wrong times. I think it was what four stops on fourth down or something like that for the Packers defense. Um, they were really impressive. Uh, the red zone defense, which has been talked about a lot um, coming into this game, teams had scored points every single time they got into the red zone against the Packers. Uh, they went 0 for 3 uh, yesterday. Uh, so they would go. I think the big turning point of the game was um, Taylor Heineke running to, into the end zone pretty much untouched. And he slides at the one-yard line, his knees down before the goal line. Uh, if he gets in there, it's 21-14. Washington's got all the momentum. Instead, he's ruled down at the one. Uh, they turn it over on fourth down, and the game's pretty much over from there. But, yeah, if he scores there, we're probably talking about a way closer game. Of course, Wenton did the Lambo leap there, and the reason he was down, of course, normally you wouldn't be down unless you were touched. He gave, gave himself up in that situation. I wanted to ask you, I noticed uh, last time, or a couple of weeks ago, when Washington uh, took on uh, the New Orleans Saints, it uh, seemed as though um, Ron Rivera perhaps didn't have trust in his kicker, Dustin Hopkins, going for a lot of it on fourth down. Was it a similar situation here, or do you think it was just simply because he thought they couldn't afford to win the game kicking field goals? I mean, they had that one blocked on their first attempt of the game, um, and then after that, they pretty much didn't kick again. I'm not sure how much of a block you can blame on a kicker, but I think it was more just, yeah, we're playing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You've got to try and uh, keep it scoring. If, you can, if you're taking field goals on fourth and three on your side of the field, yeah, you're probably not going to win the game. So they just wanted to be aggressive. It just didn't pay off for them. Indeed. So, yes, the Packers get the win, of course. I guess souring that news. They're playing on Thursday Night Football. Prime time, a chance to knock off the undefeated Cardinals. However, um, Devontae Adams, COVID list, he's on. So, likely he won't play. And then, of course, Joe Bar Barry. Now, the defensive coordinator and play call have been added, Gordo. So, how does this impact things, um, you know, heading into their Week 8 matchup? Normally, I'd be pretty worried. Um, at this point, though, it's it's a strange stat, but I think the Packers are 6-0 and with Matt LaFleur without Devontae Adams. Every every game Adams has missed, LaFleur has been able to scheme it up. Um, there was a couple of games there. Aaron Jones got really involved in the passing game, went for 200 total yards. Ellen Lazard stepped up. Robert Tunyon stepped up. There's enough pieces in this offense, I think, that can still make it work. Um, you've got Randall Cobb, who's one of Rogers' favourite targets. Lazard's really stepped up these last couple of weeks. Marquez Valdez-Scantling should be back this week, so there's your deep threat. There's still enough there, I think, to keep up with Arizona. Obviously, it's not ideal losing Adams, but I don't think it's the end of the world. I'd be a lot more worried about Joe Barry's uh, missing and the impact that will have on the defence. Yes, indeed. I was going to go with the Packers as my kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's an upset pick, but for my kind of statement pick next week, um, of course, playing on Thursday night, but I, I think I'll toss and turn over that one for a few more days, see the extent of that COVID uh, breakout. We could see it being more significant than just those two individuals. Okay, we'll move to New York. We've mentioned this game a couple of times. The Giants, they were desperate for a win. I've talked a lot about Joe Judge. I've been very critical. Um, but I think the biggest story here, apologies, is still it's Carolina. Um, we talked about the miserable 25 to three, the final um, from the Meadowlands. Oh, oh, where to start? Sam Darnold, he was benched in the second half. Clearly Matt Rule had seen enough and I can't blame him. I said, I'd talk you through the drives. They started off all right, 46 yard drives. Zane Gonzalez kicks a field goal. They take a three to nothing lead. Then we have a three and out, a three and out, which ended in a safety. So um, intentional grounding in the end zone. So it's a five, three lead to uh, the Giants at that point. 
Then we go three and out, interception, three and out, half time, one first down in a drive, three and out, three and out, three and out. So, you know, that's miserable reading. I don't care who's the quarterback. That was enough to get Darnold benched. In comes PJ Walker, uh, XFL star, of course, well, stars, ex SFL player with uh, the Houston Roughnecks, uh, started last season a little. Um, when Teddy wasn't there, three and out, four and out, turnover on downs, his three drives, although he did look a bit better. He's got a zing to his ball and um, it was, he was fitting it in some tight windows. Uh, I've mentioned Joe Brady, Gordo. He's a head coaching candidate. They're going to have to do something to fix this because um, after starting out so impressively three and oh, it's got really disappointing. Same thing on the defensive side. They allowed 30 total points in their first three games, 116 in the four after that. Uh, look, if you want to look at Darnold kind of game by game, Quarterback rating, 102 in week one, then 99, 95, 85, 44, 56, 57. So really dipping. Um, and, you know, as I said, Gordo, the, the Panthers are in serious trouble. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Darnold is looking more and more like Jets and Darnold all over again. Um, I think maybe it's almost time to accept that he's just not a good quarterback. It wasn't Adam Gase. It wasn't the Jets system. It's just Darnold is not a great quarterback at all. Uh, he's turnover prone. Uh, he's not great at making reads. The thing is, he has some drives where he looks so good. Uh, that one against the Vikings to tie the game up at the end of the game. That was incredible, but he's just, he just doesn't show it enough. Uh, you yeah. look on the flip side though. I mean, Daniel Jones, again, was pretty good. 23 completions, 203 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had that one one-handed catch as well. Um, mm. He's, doing everything for New York at the moment. I think, I don't know exactly what their plan is for the end of the year, if they stay with the current coaching staff or not, but I think Jones has earned himself another year at least to prove himself. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, in terms of the coaching staff, I think it's purely based on wins and losses. They've got to two and five, but, um, you know, we talked about this was a, a tough stretch um, for the Giants. They're kind of halfway through it now, but they've got to play at Kansas City and the Vegas before the bye. So... They go on two there. They're still two and seven. And, you know, that's uh, the division's gone at the moment. The best they can hope for is a wild card berth. Um, and, you know, they might even want to try and match their six win total from a season ago. Um, look, I think both of these teams, you know, of course, we did talk about Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. It is reliant on them, on him. You know, you're, you said your playoff pick, him coming back. But uh, honestly, even with them back, this defense will need to get it turned around. It's one of the more kind of stark, I think, uh, changes we've seen over a period of time. As you mentioned, Carolina are in Atlanta next week to take on the Falcons and the Giants will be on Monday Night Football uh, to take on Kansas City. Okay, just a couple of games to go now. We'll start in Arizona. Not much to say about this. Houston were in town. Um, one of the worst teams of the league versus one of the best, or arguably the best. 31-5 to the final, so an easy win was expected but what wasn't expected is that 31 to 5 scoreline again the the texans they get a safety and they led the game five nothing and in the end 31 to 5 is a score of gami i don't know if you know about this gordo um uh, organization who look at uh every score in nfl history that's possible to be had 35 to 31 to 5 had never happened before in nfl history it's the 168th unique score in an nfl game so you know that was one of the more interesting things i I could find from this game, uh, look, Arizona were good on both sides of the ball. They're 7-0 for the second time in franchise history, first since 1974 when they're in St. Louis. Uh, Zach Ertz, who, of course, came across from the uh, 
Uh, Eagles in a trade last week caught a 47-yard touchdown pass from Kyler Murray. He's the first player in NFL history with two consecutive touchdowns for different teams in consecutive weeks, excuse me, because he caught one with Philadelphia in that loss to Tampa Bay last week. Uh, also, the longest uh, uh, touchdown catcher of his NFL career. Uh, look, Kyler Murray, 20 for 28, 261, three scores and a pick. 172 rush yards for the team. Edmonds, 15 for 81. James Connor, 10 for 64 and a score. DeAndre Hopkins got a score. Christian Kirk got a score. I mentioned Ertz. Um, this was just a tick-off game on the schedule. Gordo, they're really looking forward to that Thursday night matchup uh, with the Packers. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I haven't seen much of this game. I'll admit it. Um, there's a lot of other games I think that were more important. But, yeah, Arizona's done what they needed to do there. Uh, obviously, they looked a bit shaky early, I think, giving up that safety, a few punts to start the game. But once they get on a roll, they're pretty unstoppable, really. Um, Kyler, I think an underrated part of this offense so far has been their reluctance to run with Kyler. Uh, on the weekend, six carries for 10 yards. I think that's pretty much been his average almost all year as well. Uh, there's just another dimension of this offense that can be added still in his running ability. They're just... Right now, he's just throwing the ball, and that's working incredibly, but he does have that speed and that ability to run. So I'm guessing that's going to be unleashed later on in the season. Um, I think one of the questions here is uh, Davis Mills. We saw him be so good against New England, of all teams, who usually destroy rookie quarterbacks, and then since then has done pretty much nothing. You've got to wonder how that happened, that one game where he looked like a future starter, and then since then he's looked like probably a perennial backup. That's one of the bigger mysteries I think we'll see in the NFL this year. Um, perhaps it was a fluke, perhaps it wasn't, but um, I don't know what to say. Do we? They're playing the Rams next week, so I doubt um, we'll see it again, or at least not next week. And the point on Murray is interesting because I remember looking at the stat. I was a bit confused too. I think he had rushing touchdowns in each of his first two weeks um, and then hasn't had one since or something. So perhaps there is a deliberate uh, approach from from Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, yeah, to go away from that. His rushing yards started the season 20 in a touchdown, 31 in a touchdown, 19 in a touchdown, 39, oh, 6 and 10. Mm. So they've really, and he's never rushed more than seven times in a game either. So they're really holding back on that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yes, as we mentioned, 7 and 0, they've never been 8 and 0. That 7 and 0 team in 74 finished 10 and 4, uh, 3 and 4 finished the season. They've got a chance to beat that this season. Arizona, who would have thought it entering the season? They are the one seed in the NFC and Cincinnati one. Seed in the AFC. Okay, a couple of games to go. We'll go to America's Game of the Week. We hit on it this week, Gordo. This week we said it's not the Game of the Week, and it wasn't. Tampa Bay hosting the Chicago Bears. We've made reference to this before. A day where Tom Brady made history. 600th career touchdown pass. No one's ever done it before. The Bears on the other side of the ball delivered one of their signature offensive displays. Three points, 13 drives, five turnovers and four sacks. Gordo, these fire Matt Nagy cries, they just keep getting stronger. Yeah, it was... It, this game was pretty much over by the end of the second drive, it seems. Uh, the Bears just could not block. Tampa Bay's do, defence was doing whatever they wanted. The offence uh, scored pretty much what, three of the first four drives. The game was over by then. Um it was, what, 35 to 3 at halftime. The second half was pretty much just all backups for Tampa Bay, uh, conserving themselves. And even then, the Bears still couldn't get over 200 passing yards on the day. Uh, I think they were the first team since the 08 Titans to not have a 200-yard passing game through the first seven weeks of the season. Um, they're just – this offense is just impossible to watch. Fields, 22 completions, 140, 184 yards, but the three picks – there are also two fumbles in there. 
um, it's just nothing's working for the. Actually, no, not nothing. Uh, this was actually the best rushing performance of any team against Tampa Bay's defense this year. Um, the rookie, uh, Khalil Herbert, eight and carries for 100 yards, fields eight for 38. So at least they ran the ball well. You've got to look for small positives here. Yeah. I mean, yet they still outrushed them, I'm pretty sure. There was a good market where it said that uh, the Bucks to win and both outgain them in rushing and passing, and they, I think they believe they did that. The thing is, Tom Brady, I don't believe, had that many um, yards passing, but he still had, I think it was the four touchdowns. Uh, was it three for Mike Evans on the day? And, of course, the one that everyone's talking about, the two, three, 600th career touchdown pass um, where he goes and gives the ball to the fan, I don't, obviously not realising it was a momentous occasion. And then we have the uh, kind of soap opera drama of the Bucks official trying to go over and get it from him and what kind of trade uh, um, outcome came of that. I know Nance and Romo spent a lot of time talking about it because the game was so dull. Uh, what came out of that one? Uh, well, according to some sources, he's ended up with two signed Brady jerseys and a helmet, a signed Mike Evans jersey and his cleats, thousand dollars to spend uh, at the Buccaneers team store season tickets for the rest of this year and next year. And then um, on Monday night football on the Manning cast, Brady announced he's also uh, giving him a Bitcoin, which I think is worth what 63,000 or something like that. I think I saw. So he's come out of it pretty well. Um, I think that's as good as you could expect going into a football game. You probably weren't expecting anything. So he's done pretty well out of it, I think. I think to be fair, he's still down because I read somewhere that that ball would have been worth six hundred and eighty. I get as an estimate, but something like six hundred eighty thousand Australian dollars, something like fifty five hundred thousand uh, American dollars. So he's probably still down. But yeah, you're right. Uh, you're going and expecting nothing. He's come out with quite uh, a tasty, I guess, treat. Um, and looking at the those six hundred touchdown passes, kind of. Well, first of all, Brady has more than twice. Elway, Montana, Young, Bradshaw, Warner, and Aikman all have less or 300 or less. He has a touchdown in 42 stadiums. 86 different receivers have caught a touchdown off him. He has scored a touchdown against 100 different opposing head coaches, and the passes have covered 10,365 yards. It's it's mind-boggling to think about. Um, look, uh, you mentioned Justin Fields. I just looked across at one point, and his stats were two of four for 11 yards, one pick, and that gave him an 8.3 passer rating. I'm not sure what he ended with, but uh, a really tough day out for him. Tampa Bay, five and two in New Orleans to take on the Saints next week. Chicago, three and four. Goro's already written them off. I think I'm going to be close to agreeing with him. They host the 49ers at Soldier Field. My other question to you is, Gordo, Chicago, do they fire, will they fire Matt Nagy mid-year or do you reckon he lasts the season no matter what? I don't think they've ever fired a coach mid-season, so I don't think they're going to do it now. Um, you've got to, I don't know if, Firing a coach, bringing in a new one, and then likely bringing in a new one again at the end of the year is a good start for Fields. I think you've got to keep some sort of consistency, even if it's pretty bad. Um, the offensive system obviously isn't working. He started five games and yet is still the most sacked quarterback in the league with 22. Uh, this offensive line is doing him no favours. But I think a lot of it, yeah, obviously the blame's going on Nagy, but a lot of it still is on Fields. A lot of Bears fans seem to be in denial here. They're saying he's not done anything wrong, but he's not been good at all. Even on the plays where he's getting time, he's taking too long to progress reads. Um, Nagy said in preseason, yeah, he's not ready. That's why we're starting Dalton. And I think that's been proven so far. Dalton should probably be starting here, um, mm. probably to finish the season, really. I mean, I know he won't be enough to get into playoffs, but right now they're ruining fields as confidence horribly um 
that he's getting sacked, he's getting banged up. Um, he's thrown what two touchdowns and six picks. There's it's just nothing's going right. So I think at this point I'd be starting Dalton and just saying, yeah, learn behind him for a season. It's not doing him any favors playing him at the moment. Yeah, I think Matt Nagy, he's he's done if he doesn't done if he does because if he does play him, he gets attacked for you know having a bad offense. But if he doesn't play him, he gets attacked for not playing him. Even though I think I agree with you, Andy Dalton's certainly the superior option at this point in time. Oh well, we'll move to the last game of the weekend. It was mine. It was the Jets at the New England Patriots. Oh, excuse me, I should mention that quarter. That was your lock. Congratulations, the Bucks got up. Uh, you moved to six and one on the season. The next game, as I mentioned, the Jets at the Pats. It was my lock, and it got up in similarly convincing fashion. The Patriots, their twelfth straight win in this season series over the Jets, fifty-four to thirteen, a fifty burger in Foxborough. The first for the Patriots since twenty fifteen when they defeated Jacksonville fifty-one to seventeen. And look, it's a historically bad day for the Jets, worsened by the fact that Zach Wilson, uh, well, he was injured, he was taken off, and it was a sprained PCL. We've talked about two to four weeks. They say we think it probably will be a little more than that. Joe Flacco back in the building, traded by the Eagles for a conditional six-round pick. Could be a fifth. Mike White replaced – Mike White, excuse me – replaced Wilson on Sunday, threw for 20 of 31, 202 a score and a couple of picks. But, you know, this is the day for the Pats, 5-5-1 yards of offense in total. Jones, 24 for 36, 307. Two touchdowns. Brian Hoyer came in for a drive or so, three for four for 79 yards. Kendrick Bourne, trick play, threw for a touchdown in the first drive of the game. Damian Harris, 14 for 106 and two scores on the ground. Uh, JJ Taylor, someone we haven't seen a lot of, nine for 21 and a couple of scores. Uh, you know, New England, it's a big win, Gordo. It tells you that no matter how they're doing in the season, they're always primed to demolish the Jets. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, it was probably Matt Jones' best game so far. Uh, I know he went pretty much toe-to-toe with Brady on that Sunday night football, but even then he didn't play great. It was just that he played at a similar level to Brady did, neither was great that night. But here, I think we're really seeing what he can do in this offense. Uh, He's pretty clearly been the best rookie quarterback so far. Um, He's Realistically, I think he was a perfect fit in this New England offense. Um, They've got him playing well. They even let him uh, throw a couple deep balls here too, which they haven't in the past. It's been really conservative, just short passes and whatever, but here I think they figured, yeah, we're playing the Jets. It's a real chance to show what you can do. So just throw the ball deep, do what you want. And obviously it's paid off with what a 41 point win. Yeah. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it seemed like they scored on every drive in the whole game. Um, They were showing uh, graphics on the screen. Uh, Josh McDaniels seems to be working very well. You mentioned, you mentioned he's the best of the rookie quarterbacks. If not for Jamar Chase, he'd be the runaway favorite for, uh, offensive rookie of the year. I think he's still in the question, the conversation. I don't think, you know, it's possible that Chase could dramatically change, but at this stage, I don't think he's, you know, if Chase continues at anywhere near the rate he's been at, he will win it. But yeah, certainly impressive signs. Still under um, 500. They're three and four now, the Patriots. Uh, and they're in LA to take on the Chargers next week. Of course, that's not an easy matchup. However, last week, last season, excuse me, uh, when Cam Newton was the starting quarterback, they went into LA and won 45 to nothing against the Chargers. So, Justin Herbert will be after revenge, I'm sure. As for the Jets, well, no luck for them. They're at home, but they're hosting the Red Hot Bengals. We don't know who's starting. I think we presume it. Oh, Joe Flacco hasn't been in the building with Matt, uh, with uh, Mike LaFleur. So do we think it's Mark White? We're not sure. Gordo, you got any kind of guesses as to who that might be? I think it'd be White. I can't see Flacco coming in and learning. Oh, no, because it is a different playbook to what it would have been when he was there. So, yeah, yeah you'd have to think a week isn't enough. For him to really learn it, uh, you have to think Mike White starts with Flacco backing him up. Indeed, and oh, I don't know, there's nothing you can say to Jets fans that lived through so much misery and 
you know, everyone was really happy when they got Salah in. And as you mentioned, uh, Lafleur and uh, it hasn't happened. They got the win against the Titans and uh, they've had a bias. They're one and five now. Um, and they look on to next week against the Bengals. Okay, that wraps up the games. That was all for 13, including the Thursday night football game. Gordo, for the tipping, we stuck together for all of the Saturday and Thursday games. And then, of course, tonight, or today, I should say, Australia time, the Monday night game, we split on. I took the Saints, you took uh, the Seahawks. So I finished with 11 of 13, you finished with 10 of 13. The titles are 75, uh, 75 for me and 69 for you. Uh, in terms of blocks of the week, um, as mentioned, you took the Bears over the Bucks, correct? Onto six and one. I took the Pats over the Jets, onto five and two for me. You got a one game lead there. And moving on to the playoff file, um, a team we promote to a playoff spot locked in and a team we eliminate uh, each week. Uh, we'll start with promotions. Gordo, you promoted the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Bucks. Who are you promoting this week? Uh, I think I've got to lock in Dallas here. Um, I think they're pretty much, after seeing what's happened this weekend, I think they're going to run away with that division. Uh, I've been saying it for a while, but I think I'll finally lock them in now. Indeed, I locked in the Bills, the Cowboys and the Cards in the first three weeks, and I'll be locking in the Bucks this week. So we have the same four teams locked in there. It's uh, uh, an AFC South, an NFC South team, NFC East team, uh, and uh, an NFC West team, and then the Bills are the, the runaway favourites there. in the AFC East, eliminating-wise, um, we have eliminated actually the same three teams across the first three weeks, the Texans, the Jags, and the Lions. Who have you got this week, Gordo? Uh, I'll take out the Dolphins. After seeing them there at one and six, uh, that, that team's done for the year. Yep, and I'll be taking the Jets. Uh, similar course sign of Sora. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be taking the opposites in the coming weeks. It's easy now, but I'm sure it'll get a bit trickier as we get closer to the end of the season. Okay, what we've got to do left, and this is a little exercise we like to do. We didn't do it last week because we had our extra show where we did power rankings. We're going to be looking at the AFC and the NFC, our top three seeds. Um uh, tell you what, Gordon, we'll start with the NFC and you can go first. Give us a three, two, one in the uh, in NFC. All right. Um, I think I had in our midweek shot was what, Arizona, Dallas, and was it LA? I think it was my third in the NFC. It was LA or I, Tampa Bay. I think you took the Rams, yeah. I took the Bucks. Um, I think I'll go with Tampa Bay as my three seed. Uh, I think they've been bounced up a bit. You look at what they did against the Bears. This team is. They put up 35 points and a half against a pretty good defense. They're elite. Um, at the two, I'm sticking with Dallas. Uh, I know they had the buy, so obviously it's not like anything's going to change, in my opinion, of them this week. I still think they're one of the most well-rounded teams we've seen. Um, both sides of the ball are working well. And then number one, obviously, Arizona. They're just, I mean, 7-0. and You can't justify not having them one, I think. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm very similar. The only difference, I've got the Cowboys at three, the Bucks at two, and the Cards at one. Um, we should probably give a shout-out to the two other teams, one being your uh, Packers and the other one being the Rams. It's very much the case in the NFC. We've got these five teams, all with one loss apart from the Cards, who don't have a loss. And then there's quite a big drop-off we were talking about off-air into you've got the likes of the Vikings uh, and Atlanta and I guess the Saints also. But, yeah, those teams are at the top. Okay, AFC, I'll go first. It's, a t it's another tough one because the situation in the AFC, Gordy, you've got all these teams with two losses. Um, you've got the Bills, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Chargers, you've got the Bengals, you've got the Ravens, and you've got the Titans. I've changed it up a little bit from what I had last week. Excuse me? Change it up a little bit from what I had last week. Um, the Bengals are in my top three. They're at three. The Buffalo Bills had a bye. I'm keeping them in at number two. And my new number one, uh, the Tennessee Titans, after back-to-back -back wins against the AFC 
finalists uh, a, se- uh, a season ago. Yeah, um, I'm tossing up here. Um, I, it's between Vegas, I think, and Cincinnati for that third seed. I would have had Baltimore, but obviously I don't think you can justify having Baltimore over Cincinnati at the moment uh, after what we just saw. Um, Cincinnati's obviously great, but Vegas is playing really well as well. Um, I think I'll go Cincinnati, though, at the three. That offense just seems to be slightly more dangerous than Vegas's. Um, I think they've played better competition as well the last couple of weeks. Uh, Vegas, yeah, they've looked good, but it's been against the Eagles and Broncos, who really aren't that great. Uh, Cincinnati absolutely destroyed the one seed. So I think they've got to take the three. Uh, my two, I, I think it'll be Tennessee. Uh, I still like Buffalo as my one. Um, Tennessee, I still think they're relying too heavily on Henry on offense. I know it's working, but even though they did demolish the Chiefs, they they weren't entirely convincing offensively there. Uh, it showed that Henry got shut down and the offense wasn't as good, I think. And then at the one, I'm taking Buffalo. Uh, I still think they're the best team probably in the AFC, the top two in the NFL, I think, still. The loss against the Titans was pretty bad, but I'm still pretty convinced that they're the one seed. Yeah, exactly. It's it's good. I think for both the uh, both the conferences, we have the same top three teams. Um, we just have different orders. Okay, finally, before we go, we're going to take a look at the Thursday night football game because we don't do a preview show. Um, of course, we talked about the COVID issues with Devontae Adams and Joe Bar- Barry. It's your team, Gordo. Um, the Green Bay Packers in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. It should be a great matchup. Um, of course, you're on a six-game streak and they're on a, on a seven-game streak. Uh, what do you think of the keys to the game? Who's winning and why? Um, I think this is the first time all year I've got to pick against the Packers. Um, I'm not confident that they've got just enough personnel at this point. I can't remember exactly. You look at who's out here. Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers on offense. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantley should be back. And then on defense, it's Jair Alexander. Kevin King is unlikely to play. Uh, both Smiths are unlikely to play. So that's three of your top few on offense and four of your best on defense. Um, I think there's still going to be a bit of pass rush there. You've got Kenny Clark, obviously. Rashawn Gary has been incredible this year as well. So he's really stepping up in the absence of the Smiths. But even then, I still think Arizona's just there, almost fully healthy. Um, I know Kyler did take a shot to the head at one point, I think, on uh, Sunday, but he came back on, so he should be fine. Um, there's no chance, I think, that well, – I, I shouldn't say there's no chance because any team with Aaron Rodgers is still a chance to win, but I think Arizona wins this. It could still be pretty high scoring. Uh, I mean, Rodgers once went into the desert with Jeff Janis as his number one and still almost won. Uh, we'll I got that one. Arizona 28-24. Yeah, I'm also kind of. Oh, I'm uh, I'm a bit more torn than you are. I mean, I'm looking at this Cardinals defense since that week two game where they snuck past the Vikings and Minnesota scored 33. They've given up 19, 20, 10, 14, and five points total, and they played teams like the Rams and the Browns. So, um, I don't think I can go past that. I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray is. Um, but you the the pieces missing that you've outlined and the fact that it is in Arizona. Um, I think it'll be close, um, but I, I like the vote. I think it's simply, you said 28 to 24. I might say something like 27 to 24, perhaps a, a field goal at the end to win it. But um, 
I think we both hope it's just a good game of football. It's on prime time. We've been blessed with how close they've been so far. Uh, and this is one of the, probably the best matchup we could see for the rest of the regular season in terms of a win-loss record. Um, so, yeah, I know, I'm hoping, I'm sure you'll be hoping that we just get to see a good spectacle. Yeah, no, I think we still will. Um, Green Bay and Arizona seem to always produce these good matchups. Um, last time they played was the Josh Rosen game where they went into Lambeau, won. Uh, Mike McCarthy lost his job after it. Um, they've also had, obviously, those two playoff games. Uh, Rogers' first career playoff game was, what, 45 to 51 or something? Yeah, defensive touchdown in overtime to win it. Yep. And then there was obviously the double Hail Marys to Jeff Janis in, what, 2015. So it seems to produce good matchups. Hopefully we get another one. Indeed. Oh, well, um, we'll be back to recap that on Saturday, normal time, and go through the rest of the week eight slate. Until then, Gordo, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. As indeed, and as always, links to the blogs uh, in the description, links to Twitter in the description. Thanks to Kevin for the music. Songs for Frank Bombala. Think that is linked. That is in the description, and we'll see you all on Saturday. Bye bye.